None of us would stroll casually into the Amazon jungle wearing nothing but a bathing suit and carrying for protection a tube of sun cream and a can of bug spray. We know that the jungle is not our natural habitat. We realize we're intruders in the jungle, and that in the jungle there are creatures that regard us as a threat or as prey, and will use every mechanism nature has given them—sting, bite, poison, whatever—to ward us off or attack us. We know that large predators live in the jungle and that, through ignorance or intent, they might regard us as food. In short, we accord the jungle the respect it deserves. Yet many people regard the ocean with nonchalance, innocence grounded in ignorance. We need to recognize that as terrestrials and mammals, we represent a tiny minority on our planet. Seventy percent of the Earth is covered by water leaving to humans a mere three square miles out of every ten. Of our planet's biomass, the grand total of all living things, more than 80% inhabit the seas and oceans. All those creatures have to eat, from the tiniest copepod up to the largest carnivorous fish in the world, the great white shark. And so, when we plunge into the water, we must be aware that we are the aliens in the sea. We must heed the signs that a shark could be patrolling nearby, signs such as birds working at school of baitfish just offshore, fishermen in small boats with rods bent double in the surface of the water oily with a slick of chum, and other warning signs I'll describe in these pages. We need to realize that when we go into the sea, we are entering hostile territory, and we should arm ourselves with basic precautions— recognizing that, in the sea, we are fair game to the predators that live there. I don't mean for a moment that we should stay out of the sea. Rather, we need to prepare ourselves and our children to swim safely in it. We have, in fact, no choice, for we cannot survive without healthy seas, and I mean that quite literally. The sea sustains all life on Earth, controlling our climate and atmosphere, generating the air we breathe and the water we drink. Only now are we beginning to realize that we have the power to destroy it. And that, too, I mean quite literally. For centuries, human beings have treated the sea as an infinite resource and a bottomless dump. Now we are learning that the sea, like everything else on the earth, is finite and fragile. This book is about understanding the sea in all its beauty, mystery, and power. It's about respecting the sea and its creatures, many of which are exotic, complex, and more intriguing than anything ever imagined by the mind of man. But mostly it's about sharks and my experiences with them. Sharks are perfect predators whose form and function have not changed significantly in more than 30 million years. I'll try to pass on what I've learned about sharks and about keeping safe in the sea, to show you what sharks are like and why they don't want to hurt you or eat you, why they would like nothing better than to be left alone to do what nature has programmed them to do, swim, eat, and make little sharks. Chapter 1. South Australia, 1974. Swimming with Nightmares. Let's start with a story about sharks. Dangerous Reef in the Neptune Islands, 1974. Blinded by blood, nauseated by the taste of fish guts, whale oil, and putrid horseflesh, I gripped the aluminum bars of the shark cage to steady myself against the violent, erratic jolts as the cage was tossed by the choppy sea. A couple of feet above the surface was a prism that scattered rays of gray from the overcast sky. 
Below, the bottom was a dim plain of sand, sparsely covered with strands of waving grass. The water was cold, a spill from the chill southern ocean that traversed the bottom of the world, and my core body heat was dropping. It could no longer warm the seepage penetrating my neoprene wetsuit. I shivered, and my teeth chattered against the rubber mouthpiece of my regulator. Happy now, I thought to myself. Ten thousand miles you flew for the privilege of freezing to death in a sea of stinking chum. I envisioned the people on the boat above, warmed by sunlight and cups of steaming tea, cozy in their woolen sweaters. My wife, Wendy, the film crew from ABC TV's American Sportsman, the boat crew and their leader, Rodney Fox, the world's most celebrated shark attack survivor. I thought of the animal I was there to see, the great white shark, largest of all the carnivorous fish in the sea. Rarely had it been seen underwater. Rarer still were motion pictures of great whites in the wild. And I thought of why I was bobbing alone in a flimsy cage in the frigid sea. I had written a novel about that shark and had called it Jaws, and when it had unexpectedly become a popular success, a television producer had challenged me to go diving with the monster of my imagination. How could I say no? Now, though, I wondered how I could have said yes.